got my mouth so dry. Patty reminds me every time I leave to come. Don't forget your water, and I never remember my water. Because I'm busy putting her dogs out the house. <laughs> but it's wonderful to be together again. Um, trust you guys are going to enjoy the meeting to the end. Um, and yeah, I, I just enjoy being with you guys every time we get together. And Lindy, our, you and your group did really well this morning. Okay. Some guys just carry on talking and they kill everyone. Anyway, last week I spoke about the fact that we need to be based on a sure foundation. And that sure foundation is Jesus Christ, the revelation that He is the Son of God. It's a, the revelation we have when we come into the kingdom. And so when we come into the kingdom, we have this revelation that needs to be ongoing in our life. We need to be those that are growing in Jesus. For me, uh, during worship, my, my revelation of God is growing, growing, because He's revealing Himself to me in a whole new way. So I'm going to read from Hebrews 11, I mean Hebrews 12 and verse 26. That was just to confuse Leandri. And it's so lucky to have you back, Leandri. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. So can you imagine that? Everything that can be shaken, it's, uh, it's what God created will uh, be the only thing left standing. If you think about the advantages, uh, advances we've made in technology over the last four years, can you imagine what it's going to be like not having those things? Can you imagine at this time not having Zoom and cell phones? Maybe it would be a good thing. You would take the virus away too. So we wouldn't need those things. And so uh, last week, as I said, we, we, we looked at the revealed Word of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now as, as we move on, we uh, look at, look, I want to specifically look at Peter, um, but they've just, the 12 and Jesus have just broken bread. Jesus has just finished telling his disciples who it is that's going to betray him. So they all, they sit, I would imagine they're all sitting there. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And before they know it, they forget about what Jesus said and they're arguing about the fact of who's going to be the greatest. So can you imagine Jesus? There he is. Judas is the one that's going to betray me. Ah, I want to be the greatest. I'm, I want to sit at your left hand. I want to sit at your right hand. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but if I was Jesus, I wouldn't be happy with that. Especially when they've, they've recognized you as the Son of God. And any other king, if they had been in his courts, 
they would have got the chop. They would have lost their heads. Luke 22 and verse 24, so it says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So I want to to ask you, you think about this. Who do you think was the greatest? Remembering John was the disciple that lay with his head on Jesus' chest. There's various stories as we go through the Bible. I don't know who was the greatest, but I can imagine who thought he was the greatest. Was Peter, obviously. Peter, I can imagine he said to them, hey, listen, guys, I sank, but I did walk on water. I'm the greatest. I can imagine him saying, "Um, God revealed himself to me, not to you. I'm the greatest. He had been there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Elijah and Moses appeared there with Jesus. I can imagine him saying, hey, guys, I was up there. You know what happened? God revealed himself in a whole new way. I think I'm the greatest. I'm sure you have had, I've had in my life, those that think they're the greatest. There's been times when I've thought I'm the greatest. I've got, I've got the inside lane on these guys. But God is not looking for that. But we see Peter, Peter was a really confident guy. He was, a, he was a guy that when he walked in, the party lit up and they all looked at him and he spoke and, he, and uh, everyone just uh, looked at Peter and thought, wow, he's definitely Jesus' right-hand man. But you see, the problem was his confidence was not rooted in love. His confidence was not rooted in love. Rather, it was rooted in pride. I don't know about you, but uh, I must admit, I I was in this place myself. But when you find yourself in the space of somebody that's full of pride, I don't know, I just, I get this sick feeling in my stomach. I think this is not God. But I was there myself. I can't stand here today and say I've never been there. I've been there myself. In sports, I've been there myself. In in my job, I've been there myself. I'm talking about before I was in ministry. Even when I was in ministry, the first church that we planted exploded. And and it just grew and grew and grew. And and confidence grew. and, And pride grew. We have to be very careful that we don't allow pride to grow in our life. So Peter was building his life and ministry with past victories out of which he got his pride. Be careful that you're not thinking back and thinking, wow, I did that, so I'm good. When I look back at those times in my life, I think, yo, I blew it. I really didn't do what God wanted me to do. I was living in past victories and I was full of pride. So we need to be care, we need to take care of how we build on the foundation of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10 says, By the grace God has given me. You know what grace is, eh? It's God's unmerited favor. You do nothing to earn it, it's given to you. 
I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. So he's, he's not uptight about the fact that somebody's building on a foundation that he started, he put into place, but he is, he is concerned that they will build in the right way. Because if they don't build in the right way, all their hard work at getting those foundations in place will be wasted because that thing will come down. It's only a matter of time before it comes down. The Peter that we've been speaking about, he was not building with the right materials. In 1 Corinthians, it speaks about some build with hay, wood, stubble, those things that will be burnt up one day, those things that have nothing with eternity. So he was building with materials like strong wool, personal confidence, past victories. Those are the things he was building with. And there have been times in my life when I've done that. I've, I've built on those things because they impress others. But what I want to say about past victories is that, you know what, we need an ongoing testimony from day to day. You really, you, you need to be saying, hey, Lord, this happened this week. This happened this week. Patty actually missed the biggest event of last week. It was our wedding anniversary. 37 years she managed to put up with me. 37 years. Let me tell you, guys, when she married me, I was not the easiest person to live with. I really wasn't. Yes, I was born again, but there was a lot of work. There was a lot of work that God needed to do because I was coming out of a place of victories and pride and confidence. I'd gone into the army as one of the few uh, Durbanites, guys that spoke English, the rest of the spoke Afrikaans. And so they immediately start picking on you. But I determined in my heart, these guys will not break me. And I got into a couple of fights within the first three or four weeks of being in the army. Hey, and I'd taken those oaks out. I remember my very first day, and this was something that I built on. My very first day in the army, we went in, and they gave us a great coat. Put your great coats on, no uniform in that yet. Put your great coat on because where we were staying was really cold. And so then it became lunchtime because it took so long to do that. Because if any of you know, if, you, if you've been in the army, the statement is hurry up and wait. Be ready at all times, but wait. And so there I was, this English oak amongst a lot of Afrikaans guys, uh, that's nothing against Afrikaans people, just I didn't know what they were saying and what they were doing. In, in matric, I got a double F for Afrikaans. It was just a pass. No, I got an F, not a double F. Double Fs fail. So I got an F, 33 and a third. And uh, so I said, and by just me being a surfer boy and all that stuff, I leaned against the, the pillar. And as I leaned against the pillar, I switched all the lights off in the mess. 
So I've got, now I'd, I'd studied before I went, so I was quite a bit older than most of the guys around me as well. So I get this little pipsqueak, he's between 18 and 19, he comes, comes, I was like 21, 22, he comes marching up to me, and he starts, you, going on in Afrikaans, and he says, Sach Fatunach. Like, what's Sach Fatunach? He meant 20 press-ups. Sach Fatunach. About three or four times, Sach Fatunach. I'm standing there, I haven't got a clue what he's saying. The next minute he grabs me by the front of my shirt. Well, that was it. Because I had one of the, we used to call them a fark pun. It's a, that like tin tray with all spaces for different things. And I just took that thing. Eh? Bang! One corporal down on the first day. Into CB. Everywhere you go, you've got to run. And you've got a red thing on, on your head so that everybody knows. And every officer you come across, Sach Fatunach. By the end of that week, I knew exactly what Sach Fatunach meant. But I made, I put a target on myself because straight away guys recognize that's the alpha. Now we all want to take his place. And so I spent my first six months of army training fighting over and over and over again. Fortunately, when I went into the army, I was a machine when it came to muscle and Aggression. You can ask Patty. I surfed nearly every day in my life. I played football. I did every sport that I could do. I was about 103, 104 kilograms. And so, uh, which I am now, but just the things are in different places. I've got a pirate's chest that's sunken. <laughs> but I came home on a pass one weekend. And I went with Patty to church, and I'd been a few times, and I really didn't enjoy it. I was like, hey, this is blind. Eh? I, I'm going to go sit outside or something like that. In the army, you had to go to a church on Sunday, but you had the opportunity to choose where you wanted to go. So I, I worked my way through them, and then I found the one that had the best cake and tea and stuff, and I went there every Sunday. But you live on past victories. You live on confidence that is, it's, 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 it's foolish because it's, uh, as I've said to my boys, you know what? There's always one better than you. There's always one better than you. And so I was in that place living on those victories. And that was definitely not the materials that God needed to change my life. Pride and self-confidence was not enough to equip Peter. I want to say this morning to you guys, there's nothing with that word self that can equip you. Self-confidence, self-pity, all those things break you down and make you weaker and not stronger. Selfish, all those things. And those things eventually will shipwreck your faith. You'll, you'll lose what God has done in you and you'll be shipwrecked as Paul writes to them in the epistles. I don't know if you've ever come across the scripture in Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19. Don't go there. I haven't given it to Leandri, but it's the scripture where 
the devil is kicked out of heaven. He says, I want to be. I want to be higher. I want to be lifted up. And eventually, God's had enough of this, and he just kicks him out. And it's because of pride that that happened. He was God's chief worship leader. He was the one that all the focus was on. There was only one higher than him. That was God himself. And yet, because of pride, he wanted to be more. So look what Jesus says to Peter, because he's living in all these things. Luke 22 and verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as weak. So this pride in Peter's life had actually opened the way for the devil to come in. You don't want to do that, guys. We all laugh about, yeah, just the devil that and devil that. Let me tell you, when he comes against you, you're going to know. He will throw everything at you in your job situation, in your marriage, in your parenting, everywhere that he can find. He will just keep coming against you. If you go and look in Job, you'll see he wipes out the family, puts Job for a whole, whole lot of boils and stuff. He will just throw everything at you. You'll wonder what's going on here. People will, your, your friends will start to speak against you. Your work colleagues will not want to have anything to do with you. It's amazing, and it's difficult during this time. So pride was opening up for the enemy to come in and sift Peter. That word sift, in the Greek, it means sift. Ooh, they are quiet today. I was going to put the Greek word there, and I thought, no ways, I can't say that, so I'll just say it meant sift. But it's, it means to shake. Who, who bakes here and you use a sieve to put the, the flour through? Patty hasn't even got a sieve, so we don't have a lot of baking in the house. Uh, but you have that sieve and you put it through. But you've got to throw that thing backwards and forwards until everything's gone through. And then if some things are left, you normally push them through so you don't waste. That's what the picture is of Peter being sifted. Can you imagine being some of that flower inside of there? You going backwards and forwards and up and down and all around. Not a comfortable place to be. Most of us, I can imagine, even me, I would say, come on, let's pray for Peter. Let's get him through this thing. Let's help him. Let's hold up his arms. Let's, let's just Pray for him. Let's be there for him. Let's do everything we can to get him through this thing. But let's look at what Jesus says. Luke 22 and verse 32. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Yo, that's, what, uh, that's not what I would have liked to heard if I, heard if I was Peter. You're going to go through this thing. You're going to be shaken. But when you come out on the other side, you'll go back and you'll strengthen your brothers. But Peter knew that as, I mean, Jesus knew that as Peter went through this thing, he would come out with a new character. 
he, he would uh, come out with different qualities to, to as what he went into them. So if you want to, one, if you want to write one sentence today, the devil's intent is to always destroy us through trials. But God has a different purpose. When, you, when the devil starts shaking, he wants to kill you. He wants to do you in. But God has got it for a different purpose. Today, I want, I want you just to think about that. Often we think if, if things start to go wrong, we start to think this must be the devil. But no, it's not. Sometimes it's God. And he's working in our life. He's got a different purpose, but he's working in our lives. I remember once when we were still up in Benoni, and hey, we just felt people talking against us, coming against us. And uh, we had a friend of ours who came to preach in the church, a guy by the name of Rory Dyer. And when he came in, I said, hey, Rory, we're having a real problem in terms of people having loose lips and he said, Roland, something I found in my ministry is that you sow what you reap. I said to him, what are you saying? He said, do you speak about others? And there had been instances where I'd spoken. Look, in leadership, you have to discuss people for their own good, but not when you speak to somebody else about somebody else. It's not acceptable in God's eyes. It really isn't. And so I, I learned a hard lesson there. And I, to the best of my ability, I do not speak about other people anymore. I stopped it from that time. Yes, there have been times where I've slipped up when you get angry, uh, when you're disappointed. But I've made sure that if I've done it, I've actually repented and gone back to that person or, and gone back to God and said, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? If you, if you live in that place, <clears throat> you're going to be shaken. Your self-confidence is going to be removed. And everything that's on the foundation of God, that sure foundation, the revealed word, is the only thing that will be left in your life because it cannot be shaken. You might be thinking, oh, no, but Peter was a coward. In John 18, verse 10, when the, guys, when the guys come to arrest Jesus, it's Peter that pulls out his sword. Now, there's a whole lot of guys there. It's him that pulls out his sword and chops the guy's ear off. I always, I always wondered, maybe you can work this out one day and tell me. If you chop someone's ear, ear off, is it not going to go, yeah, as well, in the neck? But I worked this out. I thought as he went to swing, the guy moved his head like this. And he chopped his ear off without cutting anything else off. Just a, like a revelation, man. But you know what? Peter's strength was in his own personality and not in God's humility. Humility, for the sifting had not yet started. 
This same Peter, this one that just chopped off an ear of uh, quite a big army that had come to get Jesus, he's confronted by a little servant girl who says to him, weren't you a part of that group that was with Jesus? And he has this big confident guy with a sword and he's totally intimidated by this young girl. And he says, no, I wasn't with them. And I want to say to you, you know what? Often it's the small things that will catch us out. It's the small things, the minor things, uh, what we call white lies. Oh, it's just a little white lie. Guys, lies are lies. And the word says that liars go to hell. That was one of the first scriptures I used to quote Patty when we were in Nelspread, I used to say to her, babe, liars go to hell. That scripture says, there are seven things that I hate, and one of these is lying lips. And so, we have to be aware that we, we can't tell little white lies. We can't even exaggerate. You know, exaggeration is actually a lie. If you exaggerate something, it's a lie. When I was younger, I exaggerated everything. I was the most incredible person on the face of the earth. Only Jesus was higher than me, and I didn't know it at that time. But exaggeration men exaggerate, but ladies, oh my word. Oh, and oh. Yo, you know what happened? Woo! Like John Travolta. Woo! Next thing is pride. For me, false humility is pride. You know, when someone comes up to you and they say, hey, you really did well today. Like I'll go to Lindy and say, you really did well. She'll say, uh, really? No, you know what? Flattery is bad, but to affirm is fine. And so when we affirm someone or somebody affirms you, receive it with grace. Allow God to do what he wants to do. Because you know what? Every one of us needs affirmation as well. Manipulation. If you feed the dogs... (laughs) she'll bring me water okay so this just this just shows the the fertility of self-confidence self-pity selfish all the inward looking stuff it just shows that this stuff is actually a waste of time because his self-confidence was totally shaken so he can no longer boast of being the greatest He had been served. He had lost his own natural confidence. He was now a perfect candidate for the grace of God. So 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 to 10, it says, In the same way you 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 who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. Just by the way, 
I went and looked that word up, elders. And it doesn't mean age. It means office. Office of an elder. Well, it's 64 times it's translated office of an elder. Once it's true. Uh, it comes out as an elder in terms of old. But that's great because I'm that for most of you, both of them. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the, the, the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Grace, unmerited favor. You all know that alliteration of uh, grace. Eh? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Is that an alliteration, by the way? No, what's that? Okay, what, what, what is that? Okay. Well, but what is God's riches? At? Acronym. There we go. I'd hate to get it wrong. Everyone goes home thinking, Roland got that wrong. Forget the whole preach, but he got that wrong. Unmerited favor, unmerited grace. Andrew often says, but God has got his favorites. You know, you know what attracts the favor of God? Humility. Humility attracts the favor of God. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sound mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Is there anyone here that likes animal stuff on, on the TV? I love it, especially when the lions grip the buffalo. But you, you know what? The lions always take the buffalo on the edges. They can't go in the middle. So if you as a Christian are finding yourself on the edges, you better be careful. Because that's where the lion is, that's where the devil is prowling. Resist him. But I, I want you to notice there's a, there's a sequence of events. It starts with humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Then it says, cast your anxiety on him. Then it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your devil, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if you've humbled yourself under God, then you can resist the devil and he will have to go. If you're not humbling yourself, if you're not submitting yourself to God, you will not be able to resist the devil. God will not break his scripture. And we can, as your friends, pray for you till we blew in the face. But if you do not humble yourself under God's mighty hand, the devil will devour you. Standing firm in faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ 
after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So here we see Peter. That's Peter that wrote that, by the way. That's one Peter. So he actually wrote the scripture. So he's been shaken up to the verge of almost giving up and just pulling out. But instead of destroying, like I said just now, like the devil would like to, God uses shaking for another purpose. Instead of being shaken, he was now being strengthened. Jesus not only forgave Peter, but he restored him. You all know the story of, of when uh, Jesus meets him with the fish and he says, he's restored him. Isn't that amazing? I've, I've had those moments in my life when I've, uh, even when I've been uh, leading a church, <laughs> believe it or not. Someone lose the earring. Oh. Okay, just caught my eye. I love shiny things. Patsy says, you like a woman. I love things that shine. But anyway, now he had been shaken, he was ready to be used. And that's why he writes the above scripture. We all know the story of Jacob. Jacob's uh, coming back to his, his brother Esau and he falls asleep and the angel of the Lord arrives and they end up wrestling and the, the angel pins him down and Jacob tries to pull himself free and the angel touches him on the hip and he walks with a limp after that. Guys, I want to say to you, people that you follow, make sure they walk with a limp. They must have wrestled with God. You must be somebody that has wrestled with God. There have been situations in, in, in our life. I remember the first five years of our marriage. I don't know how we stayed together except for God keeping us together. We fought over every single thing. I refused to give an inch. She refused to, to give space. And I, I just, I don't know how we stayed together. And I was leading a com. I was doing well at church. I was doing well at my job. But our marriage was a wreck. It really was a wreck. And I remember one day where it almost came to, it came to an end. Of course, the pastor found out what was going on was it was raining like today, raining harder than today. It was raining, and Patsy and I had been out somewhere. And I drove up into the driveway, and we, and we got the kids, got them inside, closed the security gate, and I was all, yeah, 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 yeah. So eventually she said, I'm leaving you. And she had her high heel shoes on and a dress, and off the, up the road she went, in the pouring rain. And the kids are standing at the security gate, Mommy, please don't leave. But you know what? God redeemed that. Yeah, the neighbor, the neighbor stopped and asked her, does she need a lift? <laughs> Where was she going? Did she need a lift? Oh, you said to her, no, I don't need a lift. 
But you know what? God can redeem those situations. Work situations. We can find ourselves really unhappy with where we work. God can redeem that. I remember I had a, I had a boss that I really didn't like when I was still doing my training and at an oil refinery. Hey, and I said, hey, Lord, I can't work with this guy anymore. And you know what? It was about six weeks to seven weeks, and that guy actually got transferred. Never got taken out or anything, but he got transferred. And my life became a whole lot easier when that guy was gone. So God can do, and he, he can live out everything you come up against. Oh, there's a nice sound. So this morning, I wonder if we could just bow our heads. This morning, if you're living in opposition to God, I want to tell you, you've got a problem. What does that mean in opposition? It means if, if you are not dealing with issues in your, in your marriage, if you're not dealing with any issues that you have in your life, you're going to come against God until He brings you to the place like He did with Peter where He's shaken Him and uh, put Him through the sieve. You can imagine a sieve, only the tiniest bits of flour can go through. And so in our lives, the tiniest bits of things can only go through. Those that are anything above normal will stay up in the top of the sieve. And this morning, if you're not in submission to God, you cannot resist the devil and he will destroy you. Guys, I've seen so many good friends that have have resisted the fact that God wants to work in their life and they've ended up in a really bad place. My own son, that happened to him. Well, he's still in that place. He resisted what God wanted to do in his life. Yeah, I was a young man leading worship in church. He was doing everything and now he does not serve God at all. Resistant to God. And the other thing I just felt while I was preparing this is that we should not have to live in anxiety. He says that, cast all your anxiety upon me. So this morning, if... if if you feel there are areas in your life where you need God to come in and, and, and just complete what He is doing, or if you have anxiety because of this coronavirus or any other reason for your children, uh, for your husband, your wife, I wonder if you could just stand up today. Why don't we all stand up and then we, you can just put your hand up. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I see those, Lord. You are at work, Lord. You are at work. 
Lord, I pray that where you are shaking, because it needs to be shaking, so that it's for another purpose, I pray that you will shake, Lord. That you will shake, Lord. And everything that's not of you will come down, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. So, Father, I thank you for these wonderful people that have come out this morning. I thank you that you, they have heard your word, something would penetrate into their heart, that they would leave you different to the way that they came, Lord. Not as a cliche. Lord, they'd go out for the rest of the day, just enjoy themselves together as families. Lord, that they'd live under your protection, that they'd live under your provision. And Lord, that the presence of your Holy Spirit would fill their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd save a cup of coffee, but you can't. I'm going to.